see all y'all. How you doing? That's so good. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, tonight is going to be a little bit different teaching. I'm not, it's not going to be a dynamic message. I'm just going to walk with you through, uh, like I studied the word the other day and I felt like the Lord showed me something through the life of David. I wasn't planning on talking about this. Um, but I just want to let you in on just kind of how I study the word and then just a revelation that the Lord gave me. So I'm just going to impart the Holy Spirit's wisdom for me onto you and I'll let you, uh, kind of chew on it and then figure out what the Lord wants to do in your life through this. So we're going to find ourselves in 1 Samuel, if y'all want to flip over there, or if on your phones you want to scroll to that page, you are more than welcome to do so. How many of y'all read 1 Samuel lately? Come on, okay. A lot of 1 Samuel fans in the house. Oh, life group, y'all cheated. Oh, y'all didn't cheat, I'm just kidding. 1 Samuel. First Samuel is before Second Kings, and it's definitely before Second Samuel. So First Samuel sixteen. How many of y'all love the Word of God? Yeah. Amen. Uh, how many of y'all have ever felt like, as you read through the Scripture, you feel like as, as you're reading it, man, God uses all these people that like they must have had it together. They must have done like, they must have met some certain criteria. These guys were like probably not sin very often. Y'all ever feel that way as you're reading through scripture? How did he choose Abraham and Moses and Adam? Well, Adam was the first dude, so he like had no other choice but to use him. But like, so, but y'all ever feel that way? Y'all ever get through scripture and you're like, man, I just, could I do something like what what God's doing through these people? And I'm going to let you in on some of what God showed me through, as we think through that perspective, I'm going to read through David's life. And what, what do you remember about David? In your, maybe your little bit of knowledge in Scripture, maybe your extensive knowledge in Scripture. What, do you, what are your thoughts on David? And then I want to ask you, why do you think you remember him that way? Why do you think that he's referenced in Scripture as a man after God's own heart? What led to that title? I'm not even going to ask what title you would be given, because <laughs> my title would not be good. But what, what, what makes David the man that is after God's own heart? What makes him memorable in that way? So we're just going to dive into Scripture in 1 Samuel 16. I'm going to jump into a few points. They're not really structured points. If you're a note taker, this is the message for you. You're like, man, I'm, I'm about to, you might even need two pages. Okay? Y'all, y'all about to go off. If you're not a note taker, I would encourage you to at least jot like, the, you know, the nudge that you get, you're like, ooh, that was good. I would challenge you to write that down. Write down the nudge, Aiden. Aiden wasn't even listening, didn't even hear it. Point number one, David was not the obvious choice. David was not the obvious choice. We're going to start off in 1 Samuel 16, 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, this is a man who showed up to David's house. His dad's name was Jesse. Uh, everybody say hi, Jesse. Uh, that's David's dad. And so Samuel shows up to the house and he's like, hey, the Lord told me to be here. He said, the king, the next king is, gonna, is from this house. So Jesse, who is it? And so then Jesse begins to bring out all his boys. Uh, and so this is where we pick it up. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature 
because I have rejected him. The one who looks perfect, the one who's tall enough, the one who is, is just right. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Who is capable of being used by God? Who is capable? Anybody is. Anybody is, being, is capable of being used by God who is willing to be used by God. And so as I look at the scripture, it, it almost checks my heart in the way that I view other people, in the way that I view myself. Do I view myself as a person that, God, that, that is willing to be used by God? Jesse, uh, when, when he was asked, hey, go get your boys, David wasn't the first pick. Uh, David is the little shepherd boy. He's out with the animals. How many of y'all smelt like a dog who's been outside for a while? Y'all ever smell that smell? Uh, this is David's smell. Like, David didn't gift no uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. Uh, he I don't even know who wears that still. Axe body spray. They didn't have none of that stuff growing. Like, David was the least smell good. Uh, he brought out his oldest son, and then he brought out his next, and then he brought out every other son. And then, and then Jesse gets to the point where he's like, none of these are it. And then Samuel's like, okay, is there any more? And then they, and Jesse's like, okay, there's this other one. David's this other one guy. He's not the best pick. He's not the one that you and I would be like, that's the king right there. So I know there's been a point in our lives where we've looked at ourselves in that light. Or maybe we've looked at someone else and been like, man, they, they probably couldn't do that. Whatever God's asking me to do, maybe someone to come alongside of me or maybe someone to mentor me, man, they couldn't be like that because they're not. I want to ask you a few questions. Have you ever disregarded yourself for something God has asked you to do because you thought you weren't the right fit? Here's a follow-up question. Or have you ever disregarded someone else because you thought the same of them? And I'm telling you, I've done it for myself and I've done it for other people. And this is a time where, this is not to shame you, this is not to guilt you. This is what the Lord convicts me on as I sit at my table. My wife's watching Full House. <laughs> I just read you out. <laughs> but that's a deep show, by the way. Like Danny Tanner go off every episode. <laughs> he got life lessons everywhere. But this is what the Lord's challenging me on. And, and if you look at me, some, I came from Cabot, Arkansas. Go Panthers. What's up, Hannah? Uh, I moved to college. All I wanted to do in college was play baseball. I wanted to make it pro. I wanted to be like you would be reading about me at ESPN app. Like you would get push notifications about Justin Free hitting bombs every day. Like that was me. I did not expect me to be where I am right now. I was the least spiritual fit for anything like this. Probably still am. <laughs> like many of you may be the better fit in my mind for what I'm doing right now. But it's easy for us to discount ourselves because of what we see. But it says in this verse, the Lord does not look at what the man sees. The Lord looks at the heart. God isn't looking for the most perfect person, but the most willing heart. Point number two. David's humility led to his promotion. 1 Samuel 16, 13 says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. For years, David did what his father asked him to do. If you think of, David was probably 15, 16, 17 years old when he uh, went to be with Saul, who is this king. We're about to get there in a second. 
So if you think of this, uh, David, he's, he's being blessed by the Lord. He's being anointed. Samuel shows up. There's got to be something in his life that the Lord sees. He's like, man, I can work with that kid. He's got a heart after me. He, he, he honors his father. I guarantee you that was in there. And, and his humility led to his promotion. And this is the verse that led me to think this. And this is where the, God showed me this. First Samuel 16, 21. And David came to Saul and entered his service. This, David just got the report. He's, Samuel said, hey, you're going to be the next king. And then the next thing that David gets to do is go serve the king. I know if that's me, I'm like, dude, I'm about to take your spot. I'm about to be all up in this king house, palace, (laughs) king house. This is about to be my king house, bro. Like, I'm walking in there cocky. I'm walking in there prideful. I'm walking in there like, you want me to be your armor bearer? Why don't you bear my armor, bro? Like, that's my attitude because I know what's coming my way. But if you look at the next part of the scripture, and Saul loved him, and he became his armor bearer. Think about David's mentality, walking into the palace. Samuel, somebody shows up to his doorstep, says, hey, the king needs somebody that plays the harp good. I heard that's you. Do you mind coming and being and, and living with him and playing for him when he gets overwhelmed and anxious and, and frustrated? Do you mind, you mind playing that role for the king? He's like, sure, whatever's needed. I'll do whatever I can do. To serve the king. Imagine that mindset as we walk through life. A lot of times I'm like, if there's something in it for me, I'll show up. But if there's not, you can find me at the crib. Like, I'm just not going to be a part of it. A lot of it is about us. Am I right? Most of the time it is. Here's a few common misconceptions about humility. Humility is not weak. Humility is not weakness. I'm going to tell myself right here, and babe, I'm going to need your forgiveness. Uh, So it's not foreign to you that we have a two-month-old son, and his name is Denver. So hello, Denver. Uh, But sometimes at night, you know, he doesn't sleep all night, so normally we have to get up and feed him in the middle of the night. So he, like, cries, and we hear him on the monitor. And I say we uh, reluctantly. Some nights I act like I don't hear him. I'm, guys, I'm bearing my heart right now. Sometimes I don't. I act like I don't hear him out of selfishness because I'm like, she's got to get up anyway. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just sit here for a few minutes and like, maybe she'll hear him first. <laughs> like, and, I'm the, and I'm the light sleeper. She's the heavy sleeper. Sometimes I just do it because I'm selfish. Sometimes I don't do it because I want to. But the humility in me should get up first. Go in there, change his diaper, get him ready, set her up, get her water, everything that she needs, and then go back to bed. But a lot of times I don't do it. I'm like, I'm too tired. <laughs> That's my selfishness. In my humility, I want to serve my wife. Humility is not weak. Humility shows up, and it does what needs to be done without thinking about what is it going to do for me. That's humility. Humility is having confidence in who has you. Pride is having confidence in who you are. Man, are we going to be a humble people? Humility, I'm not even going to speak on this long. Humility is not entitled. Humility is not entitled. You can write that down and you can chew on that later. 
I got a question. What area of your life could you be more humble? James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord. How many of y'all by show of hands could be more humble in one area of your life? That's us. Hey, it's okay that you're not perfect. It's okay that you're prideful. Man, but we're on an adventure to become more like Christ. And as we do this, we will become more humble as we do it. Point number three, David's faithfulness in the simple was a setup. David's faithfulness in the simple was a setup. How many of y'all know what monotony is? Monotony? Monotonous? The same thing over and over. The, the Webster Dictionary, in case y'all wonder what Webster be thinking. Uh, lack of variety and interest. McDonald's. It doesn't say that. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> tedious repetition and the routine. How many of y'all get tired of routine? Day after day, the same thing over and over. You got to think, this is this dude, David, he's in the field. He's surrounded by the same sheep, the same dumb old sheep, the same hundred or how many he had in the same pen, fighting off the same wolves and the same animals and listening to his dad say probably the same things. Come in, feed the sheep, do this, do this. This is David's life. He wasn't frustrated. There were probably days he was mad, probably days that he was like, Lord, such a gift. To be here with these sheep. What a moment. And then there's probably days where he's like, ah, sheep. Wow. <laughs> Christian cuss word. That's probably the reality of it. But David did not overlook the day-to-day, the simple, the routine. Because he knew that God had something for him. He had something better for him. And get this. Everything that I've ever done. And a lot of the, my wife can tell you the same too, probably Amir. Everything I've ever done has been a setup for what God's leading me into. So if you're tired of what you've got right now, stay content, stay humble, push through, figure out and ask the question, Lord, what else do you have for me in this moment? Because I'm telling you, don't rush the season you're in because you could miss something that's crucial for what you have, what you have coming your way. First Samuel 17, 33 through 35. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistines to fight with them, for you are but a youth. You a little kid, bro. And he has been a man of war from his youth. This is the David and Goliath story. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. That's me. When, when there came a lion or a bear and, and, and it took a lamb from my flock, man, I went after him. I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose up again came at me, I caught him by his beard, struck him, and I killed him. <laughs> David's a boss, bro. David killing animals like it's just another day. This is David. So he walks up at, the, at, this, at this scene. The Philistines are across the, the, the road. I don't know what it's the, uh, what is it? The valley? <laughs> across the valley, sorry, road. <laughs> Goliath over there shouting at all these dudes. Nobody's stepping up. His brothers are scared. The whole army's scared. Saul's scared. David shows up with his lunchbox. He's like, what's going on, boys? And he sees this guy. And then he's like, he steps up. He says, hey, if, wh- who is this dude to, to stand up against the Lord our God? Who is this dude that, that is going to f- make the Israelites, God's people, fear him? There's, this is not going to happen. This ain't happening on my watch. 
the faith that rose up in David because of the day-to-day, the monotony of his job. Oh, that's a lion coming from my flock? Oh, I'll kill that dude. Oh, this bear? This like a dog probably? Chickens? Like whatever's coming my way, I'm going to take care of it. And then Goliath comes along. What is Goliath? He's just another thing standing in the way of what God's promised him. So there's nothing. David looks at Goliath. He's like, oh, my God. He, I've, been, I've been killing folks for years. You ain't, no, you ain't nobody. So he walks up to Goliath. He's like, done. You know the story, three stones or five or how many of it was, and slingshot, done. He's done. But listen, the faithfulness of David, when I think of this story, what if David would have been like, no, I don't do sheep. I don't, I don't do, I don't, I definitely don't do lions. I can tell you that right now. This, these lions coming after the sheep, I'm, they can have them. Think of the preparation that God led him through for this moment. Because if David didn't step up, we'd be hearing about like either Goliath took over all the, all the Israelites or probably like John. Or whoever else would have done it. I'm, I'm certain that God would have found somebody willing to take the task. But David, because of his day-to-day faithfulness at the house, God was able to say, hey, you're equipped for this. You're ready for this moment. Now go get it. David's faithfulness was crucial for him. Your daily life could be a setup for an eternal impact in someone else's life. Don't look past today. Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the message translation. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. It said, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity inside of you. Question, what do you need to embrace right now and trust that God's timing is perfect? What do you need to embrace right now, right where you are, and trust that God's got it? God's got the rest. Point four. I'm going to move through these more quickly. David honored God in his appointed leadership. David honored God in his appointed leadership. How many of y'all had leaders in your life where you were just like, man, I really don't want to honor them. They fools. They, they are crazy. <laughs> I, I want to do everything but honor you right now. I, I can tell you I didn't honor many of my, uh, what is, not elementary school, but like K through 12 teachers. I didn't honor many of them. And so I want to apologize to all the teachers in the room. I'm very sorry. Uh, but I just was not very honoring to them. And when I learned the biblical principle of honor and what that meant, you better guarantee I learned how to and what honor looked like regardless of where I turned. What a, parents, leadership, teachers, people in authority over me. David did a good job at honoring those in leadership. And I want to look at the story of Saul. So Saul asked him to come in. He's like, hey, play the harp for me. I'm stressed out. He's like, cool, I'll do it, Dave. I, I, I got you. And then at some point... Saul finds out David's about to be king. Saul's like, this ain't happening, bro. This is not about to be what we're going to do. So he's like, I'm going to kill you. David's like, then I'm running. Then I'm on the run. So this is where we find David in this story. He's hiding up in a cave, 
with his boys. Uh, and this is where we pick up the story. First Samuel 24, 4 through 6. And then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. David's in the cave going pee, just so you know. This is in the few verses before this. And afterward, David's, uh, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord and Lord's anointed. Imagine this moment. Saul, this guy that's coming after you, wanting to take your life because he's too prideful. And you, as a follower of Christ, you're like, man, I'll show you. Man, the Lord has delivered you into my hand. I could kill you right now. I probably would have done it. <laughs> Just to be honest, like, I'm fleeing for weeks, if not months, maybe a couple years. It, it's, studies have shown it could be anywhere between five and ten years that, Saul, that uh, David's literally on the run for his life because Saul's hunting him down. And Saul shows up in this cave to relieve himself. And David's like, oh, to kill or not to kill? That's the real question. So he just cuts off his robe. He's like, I'll just hand this to him later. And then the Lord like checks his heart. He said, why would you do such a thing? If, if you trust me, I will bring this to fruition. I will make this happen. You will be king. But instead, he cut off the robe. And I love this part of the story because it shows that David had such honor, not only for his Lord, not only his love and adoration for God, but those that God appoints in leadership above him. Imagine the mindset that David went in with as he's sitting there in the cave thinking, man, I could end this dude's life who wants to for sure, if he saw me here, I would be done. But Lord, I trust you. And I'll honor him until he's not in leadership anymore. Think of the humility. Think of the honor. Think of the love for God that he shows in this moment. Who is someone you need to show more honor to in your life? Maybe just because God placed them in leadership in your life. Who's someone you need to show more honor to? Number five, David's loyalty to God led to decades of victory. David's loyalty to God led to decades of victory. 2 Samuel 8, 14. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. All of chapter 8 lists out David's victories. If you go to chapter 8 in 2 Samuel, it says, David did this. David killed all these people. David did this. He, he, he loved the Lord with all of his heart. He, I mean, it lists out everything. For years and years and years, David was victorious. Why? Because he was so strong, he had done everything right. Because, no. Because he had chosen, man, my life will be an offering to the Lord. I'm going to pour out everything I have, and God's going to move through me. I'm going to surrender everything I am to the Lord, and he'll do whatever he wants. And this is why he was victorious. How often do you thank God for all that he's done for you? Without God, David, you and I, if we want to put our names in there, would not be where or who we are today without God. No chance. If you want to be victorious, successful, if, if you want to be where you even have dreams and visions of being, God's got to be a part of what you're doing. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Number six, David was a man of prayer. Can't go. My wife actually challenged me on this today. Prayer was not in there, and then she said, I said, what do you think? Or we were talking about it. She was like, David was a man of prayer. I was like, no. (laughs) How am I going to say no? Because it literally says there's chapters in the Bible all about David praying to the Lord. If you want to read one, Psalm 86 is an entire chapter of David just praying to God. The entire book of Psalms is about David and the Lord. David would cry out. God would respond. David would cry out. God would respond. I want to challenge you. I don't have a question for this one. I want to challenge us as a ministry, as young people, as Christians, as believers. Man, can we be a people of prayer? I don't have a question to challenge you. I want to challenge you specifically. Can we spend 10 minutes a day praying to the Lord? 10 minutes a day. Let's start this week. I'm going to commit to it. You can commit to it. And this is what I want. Write these things down. If, you, if you're like, pray, 10 minutes? How am I going to pray for 10 minutes? Some of y'all be like, just 10 minutes? I'm like 30. I was like, well, great. Keep going. <laughs> but if you're like, man, what am I going to pray about? I've got these three questions for you. What am I worried about? What am I worried about? Who is on my mind? Who is on my mind? And where do I need God to show up? And if you answer those three and it's like two minutes, then shut up and listen. (laughs) And God's going to speak. He does, always. There's never a time when we get into God's presence and we sit there and be still whether we're reading the word or whether we're just sitting there in silence and God does not speak, he'll do it. If we'll just take time to listen to what he wants for us, listen to what he wants to say. And last, I'm gonna read a verse of scripture, Psalm 51, one through two. And this is David. This is after his uh, adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. This guy, Nathan, shows up to his house We've covered two books of the Bible right now. This is, da- this is David's life. We've went from this dude's a young boy, just learning out how to lead people, fighting off wolves and sheep, or wolves and lions from his sheep, defeating Goliath, showing up at Saul's kingdom, running for his life. David's now king. He's got years of serving and leading the people of Israel. And then we show up to this verse in, in what it is, 2 Samuel 11. It, it lays out all of David's sin and his relationship with Bathsheba. And then for a few verses, maybe a chapter in length, David's prideful. This is literally what he does. He, he sins with Bathsheba. Uh, he has a kid with her, gets her pregnant. He hides it, and then he kills her husband. <laughs> Ain't none of y'all that jacked up, I can tell you that. Ain't none of y'all that jacked up. This is David, we see him, and this is the moment. Nathan shows up to his house and God sends him and he says, bro, you've gotten off. David, I'm here to, you've got to get your heart back on track. You're far from the Lord. You've sinned, you've sinned against him and you need to repent. You need to turn back because the way you're living right now is not the way God would have you live. You know it. You're still the king and you're sitting here living a life that God does not honor. 
What are you going to do? And this is where Saul, this is where David turns it all around. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Blot, blot out my sins, what I've done against you, how I've how I've sinned against you, God, blot it all out. Erase it. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from all of my sin. Point seven and the last one. David's repentance and worship were real. If you read the book of Psalms, the book of Psalm, Psalms, chapter after chapter, verse after verse, David's pouring his heart out to God. You hear God get you hear David getting real about some really hard things. Specifically here in this verse, several several chapters later. Sin separates us from God. But if if you look at this moment, God knew this would happen. God knew that David would make these mistakes, he knew this would happen. He knows everything from now until the end of time. But yet God still said, I want you to be king. Samuel, I want you to anoint this child as king. From a little shepherd boy to now the chief center at this time, for the whole country to see. All of Israel knows this happens. And then he repents. And then a few chapters later, God says, hey, I want to make a covenant with you. And this is what he says, 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 14. And this is where Jesus enters the picture. God says, I will raise up your offspring after you. He's talking to David. Who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. I love this because up to, up to the point of David committing adultery with Bathsheba, David's life was perfect. It's like he had done all the right things. He was the high school prom king, queen, whatever. Like he was the guy that you're like, of course he's there. Of course he's the guy that got chosen for to, to be king. Of course he's the guy. But we didn't see the shepherd boy moments. We didn't see the serving Saul in the kingdom moments. We didn't see running for his life moments. We see this dude's the king. He's living life. Boom, failure. He repents, turns his heart to God, and then a few verses later, he says, you know what, David? I love your heart. Even though you make mistakes, I love your heart. Your heart's never drifted from me. You've never questioned me. You've always been for me. You've led people to me. You've led the kingdom so well. Yeah, you made a mistake. And I forgive you. You turned, you repented, you said, God, erase it all. I need your forgiveness. And David, and God shows up and says, hey, from your line, from this day forward, Jesus will come from your lineage. And all throughout the New Testament, he says, the son of David. From, David, from, from King David all the way down, you can trace the lineage. Jesus then comes. And from this moment, this was the promise that God made to David. He said, I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care how dirty your past looks. Forgiveness is here for you. 
And because you've turned and made, made that commitment to me, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And this is where we find the scripture. What will mark your life? When people think of, put your name in the blank. When people think of me, what will they think? Man, that was a woman of God's, woman of integrity. That was a man. He, he, was, he honored well. He led well. He was such a servant. He was a servant leader. He cared for others more than anybody I ever saw. He loved God with his whole heart. Man, she was so, she was so compassionate. She loved his word. What are they going to think about you? And then why will they think it? What will you be steadfast in? What will you be faithful in right now that's going to lead people to 20, 30, 40 years from now? Your kids, your grandkids. Why are they going to think these things? As we look through David's life, we look at his humility, the way that he honored Saul, the way that he was a man of prayer, the way that he sought God with all his heart, the way he repented and worshiped God. When he made mistakes, he was quick to run back to the Lord. I want that to be us. That's going to be us as a young people. That's what's going to change the culture that we live in today is when we start letting the Lord transform who we are and then our life becomes exceptional. We become people after God's own heart. And that's ultimately what God's wanting. He'll do it. He'll do it again. And he'll do it again if we're consistent and faithful in coming back to him. Amen. Lord, we thank you.